and welcome back to the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast. What a week we have had, Jack, on a couple of days ago, and now somebody else is going to make us much smarter about something that none of us plebeians know anything about, goaltending. Kevin Woodley of InGoal Magazine, NHL.com. Welcome to the show, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad I could be on. I know, uh, I'm sorry, I made you jump through a whole bunch of hoops to line the time up and then change it about three different times, so my apologies, but I appreciate your patience and perseverance, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. My perseverance comes later today. I'm recording this on a day I'm about to get a COVID booster, then 45 minutes later go to the dentist. So that's that's the real perseverance today. Well, I tell you, as somebody who is three weeks removed from having COVID despite having double vaccination, um, uh, your efforts to add the booster are, will be rewarded and are much appreciated by the rest uh, of us. I would have gotten it sooner if it wasn't for a 10-day wait for some reason, but that's neither here nor there. Get Get the booster if you haven't gotten it yet. Uh, I wanted to bring you on to talk about goaltending because with the Panthers, it is a very interesting topic to talk about. But in the league in general, I think it's really interesting to talk about goaltending. And I'll start with this. Just on perception, I'm not sure numbers back this up, but on perception, it feels like goaltending in the league is better this year than it's been in recent years. We've got a lot of goaltenders that are playing, frankly, out of their minds right now. Uh, Is that perception backed up by reality? Your timing is perfect with that question because I had the same instincts matt and so i had the numbers run on save percentage and we are in the midst of the basically the first increase year over year in save percentage in six years and the largest potentially in 20 um save percentage right now is a little over 913 it finished a little under 908 last year they rounded it up to 908 and we've seen sort of five years of steady decline and so this is not just the first boost um, since 1516, and that was like marginal. It actually, you know, when you rounded it up, it went to 915 both years, but it was like a, you know, 0. 0.0002 increase in 1516. That's the last time it went up at all. The last time we saw it, like looking at a 5% spike right now, uh, or five point spike, and the last time it was that big was 2001 to 2102. And the reality is the, the start of the season, it usually lower and save percentage tends to go up as the year goes on because more and more teams sort of buckle down defensively and, and tighten up their systems. And so we're already looking at a historic bump and it could be greater by the end of the year. So yeah, uh, I think you're right. Goaltending is getting better. At least the goaltending performances this year have been better. Um, and there's probably a number of factors uh, frankly, beyond the fact that goalies are getting better um, in terms of the way teams are defending and, frankly, the way some teams are electing to attack in a perhaps non-efficient manner. I want to get into some of the reasons why uh, you think that is, just in a general sense, before we get to talking about Panthers goalies, specifically because, yeah, as you say, usually early season goaltending is not good. It gets better as the year goes on. And I could list five, six goalies off the top of my head where you're like, Uh, they weren't supposed to be that good, or boy, they've improved in a way that nobody thought was possible. So quickly, break down what you think maybe might be greater among equals in terms of this really notable bump. Um, You know, like obviously, you're right. There are some names that would have been at the bottom of a lot of lists last year, and they're at the top of the list right now. Um, But I do think that the one thing I come back to is goaltending never exists in a vacuum. Um, and so actually I'm writing on this, this save percent increase, uh, for NHL.com for my biweekly, uh, unmasked column this week. And 
So I've dug into it a little bit with coaches around the league, with some goalies, had some text messages last night after the, you know, get a guy like Alex Nedeljkovic, I think he stopped 41 of 42 last night against the Bruins. And, you know, so what are these trends beyond just the goalies playing well? Braden Holpe had a big night last night as well. Um, you know, again, sort of a, a 40 save night or 39 saves on 40 shots. And those are going to boost save percentages for sure. And, and it was interesting to me that, you know, the one thing Ned said was, you know, there, there might be more teams that seem to have gone back to or are content with um, pucks to the net and create chaos and create traffic. And as much as broken plays, when we start to measure scoring chances, uh, and I have access to ClearSight Analytics, the company that Stephen Valaket runs, and that's one of the things they track um, that I haven't seen tracked any anywhere else. And it's one of the, you know, highest percentage shots is off of, off of certain types of broken plays. So there is value in creating that chaos and getting the pucks at the net. Um, but interestingly enough, there are ways to do it that are more effective. And a lot of the teams just sort of seem to be happy to funnel things from the point. And so what you end up with, I think, is um, a lot of teams settling for outside shots that a goalie looks at is what we call a 99 percenter. Like, I'm stopping that 99% of the time. And if I get a good look at it, if I've got clear sight on it, not only am I stopping it, but all that chaos you're hoping to create, forget about it because I'm controlling it. I'm either putting it with a low shot, I'm using my stick to ramp it up off the glass and, and into the netting and get a face off and, and start all over again. Or I'm if, it, if it's up high, I'm controlling it with a glove save or a blocker save into the stands or just cradling it with my body. So um, you need to be a little more selective in terms of the types of shots you use to try and create those second chances around the net front. And there are a lot of teams that, quite frankly, seem to be content with pucks to net. Um, so that's part of it. Easier saves, padding the saves, um, save percentage. The other part is, you know, Daryl Sutter's the prime example in Calgary, right? Jacob Markstrom's been remarkable. Um, but overall, when you look at what they got, seven shutouts as a team, uh, Dan Vladar's running a 946, Markstrom's got a 938. You know, Markstrom's full value for that 938, like um, Vesna Trophy consideration. But Dan Vladar, in a small sample size, has one of the highest, well, actually the highest expected save percentage in the National Hockey League at 928. So he's still performing well and performing above expectation, but his expected, based on the low quality of shots he's facing, is like through the roof. And so the more of those types of environments that goalies face, um, the higher save percentage is going to be overall. Uh, and then the last factor that I've talked to guys about, like, hey, yeah, like, hey, goalies are goalies are good, too. That's part of this. But the other factor is among some of those names you're seeing at the top of the list, um, they're playing like workhorses. Like uh, the the top guys are getting run out there night after night. Markstrom, Campbell, these guys are on pace for like 60 starts in a league where we, we you know, the trends seem to be, you know, sort of 50 for your number one in recent years. They're on pace to eclipse 60. And then the last one, you know, as goalies improve, the margin between your number one and your number two shrinks. And I think you're seeing more teams willing to trust that number two role to the next generation. A lot of really talented young goaltenders coming up and getting that opportunity. So I look at a guy like Jake Ottinger, who started the season in the American Hockey League just based on numbers in Dallas, you know, wanting to have more of a veteran crease. And yet here he gets his opportunity. And the last I checked, he had five games in, he was like a 955 save percentage. And there's a lot of guys around the league that maybe in the past, you know, Ottinger started in the minors and is getting that opportunity now. 
there's a lot of guys that have actually started in the NHL with less experience than you might have seen in years past. You might have always seen teams default to a veteran. They're giving the kids that opportunity. They're giving the inexperienced goalies that opportunity. And and for a lot of different reasons, what you know, whether it's just great performance or a guy like Vladar behind a you know good performance behind a great defensive environment, they're having success as well. Well, you mentioned one uh, about young goalies getting to start in the league, and uh, oh, we're about to talk to a team that's doing that. So, so let's get to uh, the Panthers and goaltending because they have the goalie department of excellence. I've made fun of the title, but it was an interesting way when Bill Zito came in to start thinking about goaltending and think about it in a more holistic process, I'd like to think. And Sergei Bobrovsky obviously struggled a lot his first year in Florida, less so last year. And this year, if I look at some places, he's either first in goal saved above average, but he's in the top five in most cases. So I want to know, because I've been trying to figure it out, and I can't figure it out. He's had a couple of iffy games recently, but overall he's still been great for a team that plays not very defensive hockey. They play quite offensive hockey. What's the difference uh, from your neutral perspective about Bobrovsky and what has changed for him? Because he looks like Vezda winning Bobrovsky again. And there were a lot of people, as you talked to them, who were wondering if they were ever going to see that again. Well, I got to give a little shout out uh, for, for our podcast, the Ingo Radio podcast, to our, our host, Darren Millard, who actually called Bob for a Vesna this year. And we all kind of raised an eyebrow. But um, there's, there's, there's a method to the madness. Um, you know, you don't win two Vesna trophies without some, some pretty elite skill. And I don't think he forgot how to stop the puck. That first year in Florida, um, I think much like the year before, where you saw James Reimer and Roberto Luongo in his final season struggle with numbers that were just well below their career average. And those are two guys who, um, you know, like their reputation was built largely on their consistency, obviously at different levels for Luongo and Reimer, one a Hall of Famer, but, you know, they're also, the other one also a very good goaltender, always consistent. When I see two guys with that type of consistency both drop sub 900 that year, to me, that, that, that tells me there's something in the water. Goaltending, as we said, doesn't exist in a vacuum. I think you had some structure issues in terms of how that team defended. I think the hopes was when Bob came in that first year that it would be fixed by Joel Quenville, and they certainly took strides, um, but they didn't get there. Uh, last year was better, and this year's been exceptional. So environment has improved, but that's not all. It's not just about being in a good environment. Um, and Bob was in a good one in Columbus. I, I even myself probably underrated how good they were defensively in front of him and how much they fit his skill set. Um, so there was an adjustment period there. They improved defensively. Yeah, I don't have like a lot of super dialed in technical specifics on what's changed for him. But I do know he's a guy who, you know, I think after leaving Columbus for the first couple of years, kept trying to go back. Like it took him a while maybe to get comfortable working with or being open to ideas from a new voice in Rob Tallis. I know even his final year in Columbus, there was a goalie coaching change, um, but he continued to sort of maybe lean on uh, some of the people he'd worked in prior to that to help him through some struggles. And so I think like it just took longer, maybe a little um, too set in his ways, arguably, in terms of how he wanted to do things. Uh, to be willing to listen to new voices and new ideas um, as opposed to uh, just wanting to drill down and constantly go back to how he used to do it, um, you know, during those Vesna Trophy winning years in Columbus with Ian Clark as his goaltending coach. So, And so without having really had a chance to talk to, and we haven't had the Panthers come through town, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't reached out to Tally to ask him some of these specifics. 
Um, you know, I just I just wonder how much it's you know took a little while to, to to build that relationship, maybe longer than you see between a goalie and a goalie coach in other situations. Um, to the point where I've watched them work. I watched them work here in Vancouver two years ago, and like Bob is just meticulous with his work habits. Um, but I think in seeing a lot of the drills he was doing, like they looked familiar to me and I'm not sure that, like, I think he was driving that bus and I'm not sure without saying for sure that it, I'm not saying it was an issue. Um, but I'm not sure how open he was to new ideas. And I think with time, um, that's maybe a little bit more of a back and forth relationship that it, than it was in the beginning. Uh, I see some things in his game, like they didn't defend well, top of the crease, like plays and pucks that ended up just above the crease early in his time there. Um, teams getting to those pucks and having good looks from there. Those weren't things that happened in Columbus as often. And I found that he was committed down um, and vulnerable, sort of low and over the pads a lot on those. And that's where he seemed to get exploited. When I look at the numbers, um, screens were an issue for him two years ago. One-timers were an issue for him two years ago. Um, and those are both things that have gotten better this year. So comfort with the system, comfort with uh, the goalie coach in terms of what they're working on. Uh, sometimes, you know, you've heard him talk about having a child, like sometimes perspective and not taking all the pressure of that contract home as, as much as that might seem like a small thing to the rest of us. I can't tell you how many times over the years um, I've had – uh, you know, a goaltender talk about going home and having something other than the game to go home to and how much that can change their thought process and their approach when they do get back to the rink. And Bob is a guy who, you know, was quite consumed by the position. That's what I loved about him, right? Like he was always looking for ways to get better. Uh, he did, he left no stone unturned in terms of his work ethic, whether it was preparation of his body and getting ready to play um, but I guess maybe over the years, sometimes too much can become too much. So you know, maybe he's been able to walk away from it a little bit when he's not at the rink. Um, add it all up, though, and you've got a goaltender who's performing, like you said, at a top five level uh, and in that Vesna conversation. Do you find it more impressive, relatively speaking, because we're talking about Calgary and they play a, a specific system that's very defensively strong. And when you're playing the Panthers, that's not how they play really at all. They play one of the most open systems in the league. And he's playing really well in spite of the fact that he does face some high-quality chances on a consistent basis. Do you find that more impressive, in air quotes, or is it just one of those things where now he's familiar with the way the Panthers play, and they are a much better team in just overall talent, overall defensively, just light years better than they were two years ago. Do you find it more impressive because they're not playing the most defensively structured, most you know, defensively locked-down system in the league? Yeah, and I mean, and that's where you see some of the goals. You know, that's where you see the adjusted numbers matter, right? Because we're weighing shot quality, and we're not just measuring raw save percentage. We're comparing the Calgary Flames system to the Florida Panthers. You know, is apples and oranges. Um, the Panthers are sort of mid-pack uh, in the NHL when it comes to you know the amount of high danger chances, expected goals they give up on those high danger chances. Whereas Calgary's at the top of the league, and then you see a, a team like Vancouver where. You know, they're at the very bottom of the league, and a goalie like Thatcher Demko last season ends up, you know, he's not going to be in a Vesna conversation, but he, in terms of goals saved and save percentage differential, was among the top three in the league. So, um, you know, that's why those numbers have a lot of value, so that we can make comparisons uh, between guys who are playing behind very different environments. And so, yeah, the tougher the environment, obviously the tougher it is for a goaltender um, to have 
success on the raw numbers, but that, that to me, that's where the value is in all these weighted numbers. And, you know, Bob's still near the top of the list in the raw stuff, but on the weighted stuff, he's, you know, like I said, top five. I don't have last night's game worked into it, but, but going into it was fourth, you know, behind a list of goalies that was, you know, basically Jacob Markstrom, Jack Campbell, who, uh, as the, the Leafs have loosened again defensively this year compared to last, has been exceptional. Um, and and obviously Igor Shesterkin, who's you know quickly become one of the best goaltenders in the league. He's he's right in that conversation, and um, you know it's 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 just nice to have numbers that allow us to weight it and compare them uh, better than we did in the past. I'm glad we have them because it makes all of us look like we actually know something about goaltending when none of us do. I have a couple of my good friends in the sport are goalies, and I, I don't know if I could talk with them about goaltending because I'm like, eh, that's just voodoo. Y'all, y'all have your thing. It's, it's not for me. It's, it's funny for me when I talk with them about goaltending. And, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I, do, I can make my, uh, my inferences, and now we have better numbers to do that. The Panthers are also very interesting because of the goalie department of excellence, but also because of Spencer Knight and also because of the way that they're trying to deploy the goalies this season with uh, – I think very much a two-on-one-off, two for Bobrovsky, one for Knight. And it's interesting because, as you say, the Panthers are much more willing to give Spencer Knight a chance, and maybe he's also an exceptionally good prospect compared to some of the others we see in the league. But when you watch him, of course, last year, you can remember the playoff game against the Lightning where he gives up a goal in the first shot and then stops everything else, and you're like, this, this he's incredible. Like, you don't drop him into a playoff series against the defending cup champs and have that happen. He's had his ups and downs this year. But uh, what do you think about him? Because all of the, the buzzwords and all of the, the things you hear about his game, how calm he is, among many other things, it, you see that when he's playing. He's going through you know ups and downs, and he's fighting through some struggles, I think, at the moment. But you can tell when you watch him, he's exceptionally good. And he's going to be a great goalie in the league for a long time. So what do you think about Knight and the way the Panthers are trying to deploy him in the way that they're trying to balance the two goalies that they have in a very unique setup that not many other teams in the league have? Yeah, no, it's uh, like, listen, I'm a big Spencer Knight fan. Um, got to know him heading into his draft year a little bit and had an opportunity to sort of talk to him in depth. I think we had him for an hour on the podcast heading into the draft. And you couldn't couldn't help but come away impressed with his mindset and his approach. And I think for all the technical stuff we could break down, uh, the efficiency of movement um, and, and how that sort of manifests itself by presenting calm, the reality is it's the mindset and the ability to approach and look the same in a, in a playoff game against the Tampa Bay lightning as he did making his NHL debut as he does on his fourth start of this season. Like that's what makes him special. There are so many different elements that go into elite goaltending and every goalie brings you know, it's like a sliding scale for each element, and every goalie's got a different mix of where their strengths and relative weaknesses fit on that sliding scale with each skill set. And Spencer's on the mental side is just, you know, you talk to anyone that's worked with him, um, you get these signs along the way in terms of how he handles these moments. Like, it's just off the charts. So as much as the physical tools are there and the desire to get better and, and improve those physical tools, improve the technical game, um, as he gains experience, make sure that his reads evolve uh, with the game in front of him and, and what he learns watching Bob, 
working with a guy like Robbie Tallis, who's been around for a long time and has some, you know, we've done some videos and some drills with him at, at summer camps up in Kelowna when Reimer was there with the two of them. And like his insights into the game are exceptional. And so just more and more information for Spencer to soak up and then figure out process and figure out how he's going to apply it in real time when the puck drops, like he'll just keep getting better and better. And, and at the end of the day, it's that, that mental, it's the mindset, the growth mindset combined with the mental ability to look the same in those huge moments as he is going to on a Tuesday in February against a team from the Pacific division, like that's a separating factor for Spencer Knight. And it's why you're not worried about having him in this situation in the national hockey league at such a young age. And in a situation where he's not playing all the time, like usually you'd be like, this kid needs to play three, four games a week. Um, But you don't worry about him falling behind for a lack of those opportunities because his approach to everything else is so exceptional. And that's what I was thinking at the start of the season. They're going to send him to Charlotte. He's going to play quite a bit, and they'll balance that between Charlotte and the NHL. Now they have an AHL affiliate he can play, and that hasn't happened because of the way that they're deploying them when they're both healthy. It's two-on-one off, and I think that's an interesting way of doing it. But also, do you think, because of his mindset, as you say, do you think it's actually necessary for him to get the AHL experience that a similar goalie in his position might need? Because the way I watch him play, even when he struggles, it doesn't look like he needs that. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. I don't know that, like, like a, it's kind of the beauty of the position, right? Like, there are no absolutes. It's what I love about it. There is no one way to, to play this position. There is no one way to approach development. Because each goalie's, those pieces and those sliding scales I talked about are different for each guy, there's, there's just no set path. And so I know a lot of people that will say, like, man, you need 200 games in the American Hockey League. And there are a lot of young goalies. There are a lot of goalies who are having relatively early success, maybe not Spencer Knight, maybe not Carter Hart, but, you know, 23, 24, and they got those 200 games in first. And so that's a number I know a lot look at. So um, to say unequivocally that he doesn't need it because of all those other things, I don't know that I'm willing to go there, but... I think there's a lot of signs that make you think it's going to be less necessary for him. Um, If he goes for a stretch where Bob gets on a heater or his struggles reach the point or they need points to the point where it becomes four or five in a row rather than two and one. um, You know, one of the things we've seen in recent years that teams do that I would hope they might consider if we get to that stage is, you know, we saw it with UC Soros in Nashville. We saw it with Corpus Allo earlier uh, in Columbus where they used the American Hockey League affiliate. You were still part of the NHL team, but if your AHL affiliate was playing, you know, three in a row on the weekend, you know, it is down there sometimes Friday, Saturday, Sunday is a reality. Um, and you knew that Bob was going to start. You had a game in, in the NHL just on the Saturday. You knew it was his start. You'd swap your goalies, take advantage of the fact that your young goalie doesn't need waivers, send him down for a weekend, play two out of the three, maybe even three, and then bring him right back up on Monday for practice. So he's getting game reps, um, but he's still a part of the team and he's just gone for a few days. So uh, if they get to a point where they're worried about workload, I'd, I'd love to see them use that as an option. Um, I think some of the teams have used that quite successfully. It's an option that disappears once guys uh, get enough starts that they now require waivers. Like it, you don't want to lose that option. 
But in the meantime, it's not one I think you need. It's just more of a, in, you know, in case of emergency break glass, this is the approach we can take. And it's you just bring up the guy from the American League to basically sit on the bench because he's not going to start that one game. Um, you know, the other thing to consider, though, is because Spencer processes the game so well, it is a different game for goalies in the American Hockey League. And goalies, when they come up, young goalies are always hesitant to say it's easier in the NHL because obviously it's the best players in the world. There's an incredible amount of skill. The shooters are better. So it's not easier. But reading the game sometimes is because it is definitely more structured in the National Hockey League. And so if if I looked at Spencer, and this was one of the things with UC Soros, as good as he was and as, as efficient and as technically strong as he was in his early years, they wanted to see a little more battle and compete. They were trying to get him, ironically, they were trying to get six foot six Pecorine to play a little more controlled like UC, and they were trying to get UC at five foot ten to play with a little more battle and instinct and go outside the sort of quote unquote butterfly box every once in a while. So sending him to the American Hockey League for stints where there's a little more scrambles and plays a little less predictable and a little less controlled served that purpose. But I don't think competes a problem for Spencer. He's willing to go into those battle modes when needed. And so I don't know if that's something that, that you know, a step that he needs. And as a matter of fact, the way he processes and thinks the game, I think he's probably one of those guys where he may not want to say it, but in a lot of respects, well, he can't say it because he's never played the American Hockey League. But in a lot of respects, I think the game might be easier for him in the NHL than it would be in the AHL. Well, you can tell he battles because you don't go into a playoff game against the Lightning and not stop every shot after, except to the first one and not be able to battle through it. He faced some chaos in that game, and it was really incredible. I wanted to also talk about just the way the Panthers structure how they, they look at goaltending because now that you have Rob Tallis, you've got Roberto Luongo who's there, and that's a pretty good guy to talk to, his brother and Francois Lair, all in that goalie department of excellence, whatever you think of the title is what you think of the title, but everyone there is talking about goaltending all the time. It's not just the goalie coach. And maybe more teams behind the scenes do it much more similarly, and the Panthers just said it. But what do you think about that? Because that's also where they have set up this schedule. That's how they've structured all their goaltending development. It's come through that. There's a lot more of a process involved than it's just Rob Tallis at this point. And Rob Tallis has been with the Panthers as long as I can remember following them. Uh, but what do you think about that uh, that whole system that they've set up where they've brought in a ton of different voices in addition to the goalie coach. I like it. I mean, you know, like to me, like we're not that far removed from not every team having a full-time NHL goaltender coach. And there are still teams that don't have a full-time American Hockey League goaltending coach. Uh, I believe the more voices you can have involved in what they, you know, for the longest time, NHL teams paid lip service to the position by calling it the most important um, and then didn't dedicate resources. The resources the Panthers have dedicated are going to pay off uh, at every level. And that includes, you know, the one guy that gets overlooked, I find sometimes there is Leo Luongo, Roberto's brother. Um, man, like very well regarded around the league. They almost lost him to another team. He was a finalist for an NHL goaltending uh, coach position somewhat recently. Um, there's a guy that, uh, is very good at what he does. I already said how much respect and how good I think Robbie Tallis is at his job. Roberto's a real thinker and student of the game. Uh, guys that have careers like him, like Marc-Andre Fleury, it happens because they never stop evolving. And that's a conversation I've had with Roberto over the years. Like he was never complacent. 
Um, he was always willing to make adjustments and try new things in his game, whether it was reverse VH um, because he, he, you know, he wasn't, his body just didn't work in traditional VH or, you know, trying a composite stick ahead of the curve um, ahead of other goalies uh, who were still stuck in using old foam core. Like he was always looking for an edge. And so makes him perfect for that role. And obviously Francois Lair, who should be in the hall of fame, um, not just as a coach, but as an innovator, whether it's equipment, how the game's taught, the butterfly, uh, butterfly recovery mechanics. Like there are so many things that goalies do and move now that all trace back to Francois Lair. Like having a group chat with those guys would be like that's like a that's like that's like a goalie's dream. That's like goalie porn. Like just to to get to pick the brains of all those guys and so to know that you've got all of them working together and sharing ideas. Um, and and not just whether it's how we manage the day today with these two exceptional talents in extremely different circumstances and situations bob trying to live up to a contract spencer uh the expectations of a young star but also playing in a league that most guys don't get to play it at that age like just having all those different thoughts coming together also in terms of how you scout uh, how you're going to coach the position how you're going to teach it what's coming next uh, i know francois is taking a deep look at sort of what the next trend will be trying to stay ahead of the curve like what a win for the organization. I know the goal was to sort of have it pay off in, in terms of a steady pipeline uh, of talented goaltenders coming through the ranks. So you, you never ironically have to go out and buy a Bobrovsky because you're always going to have an option in-house just through the depth, through your scouting, through your developing. Ironic that they traded Devin Levi because um, I know his age would have made him tough to fit with you know, Spencer Knight, but I think he's going to be another one who's going to, for a lot of reasons similar to Spencer, um, going to make the adjustment quickly and is having a lot of success in the NCAA right now. But you know, I think even the fact they drafted him is probably credit to a number of those voices being involved in the process. And I think you'll continue to see that type of success moving forward. And that's that's the benefit of spending the money on on building a department like that. A lot more teams have followed suit, maybe not with the name, maybe not with the quote unquote director position running it all, um, but certainly by expanding the department. Um, beyond just a goalie coach at the American League and the AHL level. We have teams dedicating personnel to prospects in the ECHL now, uh, more scouting, making sure they're spending time with prospects who haven't turned pro yet in junior, uh, in NCAA, overseas. So more teams are, are sort of catching up to that. Um, but kudos for the Panthers for being, you know, along with the Calgary Flames and, and ironically the Arizona Coyotes, one of the first teams to sort of, lay that groundwork um, and the Washington Capitals when they had Mitch Korn and now the New York Islanders, there's about four or five of them. Um, but the Panthers, because they were so vocal and upright about it um, have really sort of set a new standard as well as a new standard for naming a department like that. Well, I find it interesting that they do it because you have Roberto Luongo there, you know, he, I mean, he might be linked with the Canadians job, but his heart's with the Panthers, his heart's in South Florida. And you know, he's going to be always be around and you have Rob Tallis who's, at this point, a Panthers lifer for a franchise that doesn't have many lifers, and you just you get the other two, and it's and it's so good. You mentioned Devin Levi because even if you don't end up having these goalies developed, they traded him for Sam Reinhart, and Sam Reinhart just scored a game-winning goal last night. But also, like that's how a good organization would manage this. Sometimes you might not have the goalie developed for you, but he could be used to help build your organization in another way. And they've done that, and they just drafted another goalie that my co-host really liked from the draft. 
And that's hopefully what they do every year. And that means you're putting yourself in a good spot. And that's what I've, I've really enjoyed about the Panthers just overall and how they've looked at the position since Bill Zito came in. I'm going to get some quick thoughts on other goalies. Uh, my co-host likes the Flyers a lot, so I'm going to talk about that. And I've watched a couple of their games this season, and they're struggling right now, but that's not because of the goaltending. Uh, Carter Hart looks like Carter Hart again, and that's good to see because last year was horrible in a ton of different ways. And Martin Jones is a lot better after being the punchline of a lot of jokes. So just some quick thoughts on, on the Flyers goaltending, which is, is playing well right now in some tough circumstances. Yeah, um, you know, uh, with Carter, uh, you, obviously you knew what the talent was there. Um, to me, you know, there was a lot of stuff that went off the ice into last season. Obviously, we heard from a lot of the young guys who, you know, didn't weren't going home to families, right? Like, and they couldn't hang out with teammates. And, and the pandemic really sort of hit them hard. Like, I talked to goalies, young goalies in the league. Some of them were just on the taxi squad. But, like, it was literally go to the rink for three hours in the morning, do your practice, do your workouts. And then you just went, in some cases, to a hotel or an apartment. And you were basically by yourself. Like you, you couldn't go out and do a lot. You couldn't get together with your teammates. Like it was just really tough to manage that mentally. I also saw some things creep into Carter's game that, you know, frankly, I think like I go back to, you know, I, I did some video coaching at Hockey Canada's program of excellence a number of years ago when Carter was coming through ahead of his second world junior stint. And um, I know his game really well. I know a lot of the coaches that are involved in his offseason uh, work and, um, I think I know what his foundation at its best looks like. And I saw him drift from that. It looked like as the struggles piled up, rather than drilling down and, you know, sort of rooting himself in that foundation, he looked to be chasing changes last year. And they were changes that to me weren't for the better. Um, he was, he was going goalie 911. He was spreading out uh, almost on purpose way too early in sequences. Carter at his best is, much like Carey Price. Uh, it's probably an unfair comparison, but the strength of his game is the efficiency of movement and the ability to get set ahead of plays with his edges underneath of him, whether it's on his skates or on his knees, um, not to be spread out, not to be opening up, not to be you know, going desperation prematurely so that he can move and get to the next save and the next spot and the next pass. And that disappeared. He was There was a lot of early spreads. He was putting himself into those goalie 911 situations way earlier in sequences. Frankly, there were times on odd man rushes and lateral passes that I used to watch him beat those plays on his skates all the time. And it was almost like he was going across slowly, like he was trying to time his desperation rather than just beat that thing on his skates. So, um, you know, I know that the goaltending coach, uh, Kim Dillabaugh, who is excellent at what he does, has been around for a long time, big part of the Kings organization, developing so many goalies for so many years. Um, took some time to go to Sherwood Park in Edmonton this summer and work with Carter a little bit and maybe get to know a foundation um, in terms of efficiency of movement that was a little different from from what they were teaching. And, and now what I see is Carter, even as things are maybe the struggles are there for a team, like he looks like a guy who's re-embraced and re-established his foundation. And so the key now will be if the struggles continue as a team, um, can he stick with that or does he start to chase change again? And that could be a tough thing as a goaltender when things don't go well, you know, do you double down on what got you there and what make, you know, made you good or you start to chase things and chase change. And that's a dangerous thing for goalies and something I hope Carter can avoid again this year. Um, you know, on the other, on the flip side of it, Martin Jones has been an easy target. The San Jose Sharks have been a team that has been frankly terrible for years. They give up way too many chances. A lot of it odd man rush, but Jones game, 
deteriorated behind it as well. Like uh, Martin was a guy who came into the league again with Kim Dillabaugh, who's now his goaltending coach. Uh, they were together in Los Angeles. They're together again in Philadelphia. Uh, but he had a lot of really good technical foundation to his game. And he almost purposely went away from it. Like he stopped going to goalie school in the summer, uh, stopped working with sort of some of the technical coaches in the summer, started just playing shinny. He was trying to go outside the box. He was trying to get back to that battle element and maybe lose that reputation as a technical, you know, technical first technique goaltender. Um, and somewhere along the lines, he crossed over to being a goaltender who, when you talk to people who had worked with him, watched him the last couple of years and were like, like from a technical standpoint, he was barely an NHL goaltender. And so I know he put in a lot of work over the past two off seasons, went back to school, um, working with Adam Francilia, uh, an off ice trainer who teaches a lot of sort of these biomechanics and new efficiency, you know, sort of new efficiency of goaltending biomechanics off the ice. This guy who's worked with Mike Smith, Connor Hellebuck, James Reimer, um, you know, so he really sort of started to go back to school and, and embrace some of those elements in his game. And I think you're starting to see that pay off this year with Philadelphia. I saw the work, you know, it paid off at the start of last year with San Jose. I know a lot of coaches that looked at Martin and considered him once he was bought out this summer, really liked his game early in the year, but it drifted back to the sort of uh, free flowing, no rotation in his movement. Martin Jones as the year went on. And so they were nervous but another summer of sort of hitting those points. Uh, and I think he's just sticking with it more and more as this season's gone on. And so uh, I'm not surprised he's having success. Does it, does it mean it's going to be to the level we used to expect? You know, that might be too much to ask, but you know, he's one of the guys that I de- identified for a bounce back this season. And so far he's making me look good. Well, after that one Panthers game where he single-handedly got the Flyers a point, I was, I was talking with my co-host and we're like, is this Martin Jones? <laughs> it just, it, it's one of those things where the punchline became what you thought about him and not the actual goaltender. And that's not fair to him. And he was great. And it's right now it's odd that the Flyers goaltending is keeping them afloat. That never happens for the Flyers, as so many around that team will tell you. As we start to wrap this up, we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. Uh, I will never know as much as goaltending as you can give us in 30 minutes. But just in general, just goalies you have fun watching. You mentioned Shesterkin earlier. He stole a game against Florida, and you're just like, oh, boy, this, this, is, the, this is Lundqvist again, and, and peak Lundqvist where he'll just steal games in front of a team, on a team that just can't do the things that you'd like it to do. He's great. I mean, Frederick Anderson's having a bounce back, a really good bounce back with the Hurricanes, which not many people thought. I didn't. I was not one of them. Jack Campbell is, I mean, some people are tweeting the best goalie leaps history based on certain numbers, which is kind of crazy, but... She's playing like it. Uh, just other thoughts of goaltending around the league uh, to celebrate really a, a really good year for the position. All those guys I like watching, uh, Jacob Markstrom, just because I saw the development here, and he's a guy who's really sort of improved his foundation, his technical game, and that's where the consistency comes from, his movements, beating plays. Um, you know, where Shesterkin is smooth. I wrote a story on him recently. One of the goalie coaches told me he's like a hovercraft on the ice, like his ability to move from his knees and literally skate from his knees um, is, you know, setting not just, you know, and, and frankly, some of it comes from Bob, like the, the, the Russian goaltenders and, and the roots in Bob's game and his down movement that were established and the way they've modeled that. Shesterkin's now taken it to another level and is almost setting a new standard for NHL goalies. There's things he's doing on the ice that, you know, I'm now starting to see young kids imitate. Love watching him. 
Markstrom's almost more violent in his movements, uh, for lack of a better term. Like there's just a, there's an explosiveness and violence to his pushes. And then also a willingness to go outside the box, like two pad stacks and, um, just, you know, windmills that like, like, it's still fun to watch Jacob Markstrom, um, Braden Holpe the other night, you know, there's a guy that I called for a bounce back and he's having one in Dallas, you know, benefiting after, Ever since he won a cup, he hasn't really had a predictable defensive environment in front of him for the first time he does in Dallas, and he's showing you what he can do. Well, also, sort of, there's some added elements that he that he added to his game his one year in Vancouver that are starting to pay off as well. And so you blend those two things, and you, you get movements. Like, you get the efficient stuff that I love watching, but then you also get the moments, like, in his 500th game. Like, he passed Jacques Plante for the most wins in the first 500 games. Uh, just last night, and he did it with like the best exclamation point final minute of a 39 save win I've ever seen. Like breakaway save, scorpion save on the rebound, and wrap it up with a two pad stack windmill to close it all out. Like that's fun. And so maybe I'm biased towards the guys that I've watched over the course of a season, like Markstrom, like Holpe. Thatcher Demko is another one. Because I've seen the progression on a day-to-day basis, and you see that payoff in moments in games, but then all three of those guys are willing to go outside of those technical progressions. And frankly, sometimes when Holt, because he talked about this the other night, and Demko and Markstrom, like, I'm not sure I've ever seen a goalie coach work more on desperation saves on purpose, like put guys in desperation situations and make them stop pucks as Ian Clark does here in Vancouver. So even in those desperate moments, I can see some of those practice reps coming through. So maybe I'm a little biased to the guys I've watched a lot, um, but those are certainly some of the ones that I'm really enjoying watching this year. Well, that's fair, and I appreciate your your love of this position because it is a great time to watch goaltending. And as you also cover the Canucks, I appreciate your ability to find optimism because I actually feel bad for people out there that they have to go through this. They do not deserve it. It is a tire fire um, for sure here. I don't have really anything good to say about the way things are going. Um, expectations were higher uh, and probably, you know, unjustly so based on the offseason moves. I know a lot of the analytics models weren't as uh, kind to the Canucks offseason moves as maybe some of us were here locally, but it was kind of hard to envision them being worse than last year, and yet they've managed to pull it off. So, And that's with really good goaltending so uh curious to see where this goes in the next couple of days if nothing else they're making it interesting off the ice um but as you said a little painful to watch on it it's painful to watch on it but also i want to say that a lot of the league's not good teams are not terrible because of goaltending it's they get good goaltending and they're still bad that's the difference like even arizona who is not good just had a 46 save shutout from a check rookie it's like yeah. that's, the, that's the other difference i think this year compared to last year, it's like the bad teams are not bad solely because the goalie can't stop anything. It's they are that's, bad and the goalie's good. See, that, and that's good for us in the goalie union. Save percentage is going up and we can't be blamed for the bad teams. Even no, if, you can't be blamed. Even bl- if the Ottawa Senators want to try every once in a while. Oh, always, always Ottawa. Again, we could talk about this forever, but I mean, unfortunately, the Canucks might fire everybody at a moment's notice. So I have to let you go. Uh, let everybody know where you can find your work. Yeah, uh, Kevin is in goal is the Twitter handle. But to be honest, uh, if you're if you're not a goalie, eh, if you're a goalie, make sure you check out In Goal Mag, um, In Goal Mag and In Goal Media across Instagram and Twitter, uh, ingoalmag.com. It is a subscription website. Again, if you're not a goalie, you can still learn some things there. If you are a goalie, 
Um, we'll help make you a better goalie. We go on the ice with NHL goalies and goalie coaches for drills and tips. Once a week, we sit down and have a video session with NHL goaltenders where they watch video with us and explain why they make certain depth decisions, save selections, what they're looking for from opponents on a rush chance, what dictates how they play certain certain situations, uh, including how their defense handle it. Um, just a lot of great tips and advice that you can't find anywhere else that, frankly, will make you better, whether you're an aspiring NHL or yourself. Uh, we've got over 200 professional goalie coaches right up to the NHL that subscribe, uh, as well as a lot of professional goalies from overseas and all over the place, um, or whether you're a junior goaltender or whether you're just a young kid. There's there's tips and advice that apply there or a beer leaguer. We'll make you better at ingoalmag.com with some type of content you can't find anywhere else. And that is why goaltending is voodoo, because y'all could talk about this forever, and I'd just be looking like you're speaking in Cyrillic. <laughs> or any form of language. That I don't know why I say Cyrillic. I could have said Russian. Eh, it's, it might be me getting uh, COVID booster side effects before I even get it. Thank you, Kevin. We'll talk down the line. Appreciate you hopping on. My pleasure.